Got problems with the law? Want to know your rights when it comes to housing, discrimination, welfare or the police? This is your show. If you know your rights, you can stand up for yourself, your family and your community. Need help with a legal problem? Or maybe you have a problem and want to know if a lawyer can help. The North Australian Aboriginal Justice Agency, NAJA, empowering Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and communities across the Northern Territory by providing free legal services in a way that respects you and your culture. It's the NAJA Legal Show on Karma Radio, 8 Ken FM. Good evening to all our listeners across Central Australia the Central Arunda people and the Barclay region, the Waramungu people. From Kintor to Alparulam, Mudujulu to Elliot. All the families out there in remote communities, you're listening to the Naja Legal Show on Karma Radio. I'd like to acknowledge the custodians of Mbantua Alice Springs, where we are today, the Central Arunda people, and pay my respects to Elders past, present and future generations. I'm Sally. I work at Naja as a community legal educator and I'm joined by Bethany. Hello. Um, yes, I also work at Naja um, with Sally um, doing community legal education, which we'll talk a bit more about later. And we are delighted to have Sarah Black back on the show this week. Hi, thanks for having me. You probably know by now the Central Australian Aboriginal Legal Aid Service, CARLIS, is no longer around. Uh, NAJA, the North Australian Aboriginal Justice Agency, are delivering the Aboriginal legal aid services in Central Australia, uh, still located across the road from Kmart on Bath Street and a lot of the same people still working there. Yeah, and we also help with a lot of the same, or all the same problems, so not to worry that there's less services. Um, you can still come in and see us about the same issues. So, as we mentioned earlier, Beth and I work in the community legal education team at NAJA. So, it's our job to help people understand the law and understand their rights. We run talks and workshops around Alice Springs and we also go to remote communities and Tennant Creek. I'll be in Tennant Creek soon running some community legal education there. Yeah, that's right. Um, so it's yeah, it's, I really enjoy getting out and about talking to people, um, letting them know what Naja can help with, um, and just finding out um, the kinds of things people do need help with and pointing them in the right direction as well. Um, and yeah, I'll I have a trip to um, Itichura and Angawala coming up soon as well, um, which I'm looking forward to, um, and. We're open and we go into schools, um, youth detention sometimes and um, <laughs> others. Um, so, yeah, we're open to uh, if anyone wants to get services or um, community members want to get in touch, um, we're always open to speaking to new groups as well. Yeah, it's great hearing from people that are really keen for us to come and talk to them about their legal rights and about the law. So the Nigel Legal Show, that's what you're listening to. Uh, That's part of community legal education. So every month we talk about a different topic and tonight we're going to be talking about uh, rights at work. 
That's right. And yeah, the aim of this show is to let people in the community know what their rights are and so that they can share it with their family members um, so they can feel empowered and know where to get help or how to stay um, out of legal trouble as well. Yeah, if people understand their rights, they can speak up for themselves and for their families. So as I mentioned, we've got Sarah Black here with us, who's a civil lawyer at NAJA, uh, and she is an expert on rights at work and employment law. And so on tonight's show, we'll be covering starting a new job, your rights at work, and in particular, your right to be safe at work, uh, discrimination, bullying and harassment at work and what you can do about that. And we'll also talk about what you can do if you get sacked from work or if you feel pressured to quit your job. So those are the different things that we'll be talking about tonight under the topic rights at work. But rights at work is only one of the topics that a civil lawyer can help with. Civil lawyers can also help with things like Centrelink problems, housing problems. Money um, trouble. Yeah, money trouble. We've talked about a few of these things on the show uh, previously, but if anyone wants to speak to a civil lawyer or has any questions, feel free to get, give us a call. Our number is one eight hundred six three six zero seven nine, and that's a free call. Or pop into 55 Bath Street across the road from Kmart or 61 Patterson Street in Tennant Creek. So stay tuned um, if you're wanting to hear and learn more about your rights at work. Need help with a legal problem? Or maybe you have a problem and want to know if a lawyer can help. The North Australian Aboriginal Justice Agency, NAJA, empowering Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and communities across the Northern Territory by providing free legal services in a way that respects you and your culture. It's the NAJA Legal Show on Karma Radio. 8 Ken FM. Welcome back to the Naja Legal Show on Karma Radio. Tonight we're talking about rights at work and we're going to start with your rights when you start a new job and some important things to think about when you start a new job. And we're joined by Sarah Black from our civil law team who's going to help us chat about this. And firstly, we're going to talk about what, what you need to know, yeah, as Sally said, when you get a new job. So there's different ways that someone can be employed, like full-time, part-time, casual or contractor. Sarah, do you want to give our listeners a bit of information about what these different things mean? Yeah, sure. So... If you're a full-time employee, that means that you'll be working um, the same hours each week usually and you'll be working, on average, uh, most full-time employees work somewhere between 35 and 40 hours a week. But what it means is that uh, you're working the equivalent of a full-time position uh, in that workplace. Part-time is where you're working less than the full week in your role, but you work in the same hours each week. So some part-time workers will work Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, and then the next week they'll work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and so on. So they're not working full-time hours, but they've got the same hours each week and it's a bit predictable and they know when they're supposed to be at work. A casual worker is someone that works different hours each week, 
based on what their boss needs. So t- sometimes your boss might give you a call and say, oh, we need some extra help on the work site today. Can you come in and give us a hand? And that might be on a Wednesday, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're working Wednesday next week and the week after that. It just depends on what your boss says and when your boss needs you. So that's a casual worker. And then a contract worker is where there's a specific project or period of time when that boss needs a worker. And he says, all right, we've got a four-week building contract coming up. They want us to build a school. And so we'll employ you for those four weeks. You start on this date and you end on this date. And so what you do is you work for the boss for the term of that contract. And at the end of that time, you're finished and you're not working for that boss anymore. So they're the four main types of employment that you might be looking at when you get a new job. And the reason it's important to know um, if you're a full-time, part-time, casual or a contractor is because you have different rights um, at work depending on that. And so what's some of the different things? Like I know that if you're a full-time or part-time that you have the right to have annual leave and sick leave. Is that right, Sarah? Yeah, that's right, Beth. And there's certain rights when you're a casual worker as well. You have to be paid a little bit more per hour than a full-time or a part-time worker to make up for the fact that you don't get annual leave and you don't get sick leave. You mentioned um, a contract for a contractor, but all employees would have a contract, wouldn't they? Yeah, that's right, Sally. So everyone who starts a job should be given what's called a contract of employment. And that's a piece of paper that your boss gives you that sets out all the different conditions and rules about your employment. So that contract of employment should tell you whether you're full-time, part-time, casual. It should tell you how much you're going to be paid each hour or each week. It should tell you the name of your role, which company or employer you're actually working for, so who your big boss is. And it should tell you your start date as well. So from what day are you now working for that big boss? So if I just was like chatting with someone and they're like, oh, yeah, just come in and give us a hand at the shop that I'm working at. Like, is it really that important to have a contract? It is important. Sometimes contracts are verbal contracts. They're not always written contracts. But we say that it's always the best idea to get a piece of paper with the terms of your employment written down. So get a piece of paper where there's an agreement between you and the big boss of what you're going to be doing, where you're going to be doing it, and how much you're going to be paid for doing it. Otherwise, if you don't have that piece of paper, you open yourself up to getting ripped off by your employer or you run the risk of not being able to stand up for your rights because there's no piece of paper showing what your rights are. So what if I got a um, contract and I just have no idea what it means or what it says? They can be really confusing. Yeah, in that case, Beth, you can bring that contract into us at NAJA. You can make an appointment to see us any Tuesday morning or Thursday morning. And one of the lawyers from our civil legal team can sit down with you, read through that contract of employment with you and help you understand all the different words that it says and what it means. That way, if you're not happy with anything that's in that contract, you can go back to your big boss and say, no, I want this contract changed. I don't think it's right. Yeah. So if that's you and you are wanting some help with understanding an employment contract, um, you can contact the office on 1800 636 079, but that's Monday to Friday, so you have to wait until tomorrow. 
Another important tip for when you're starting up a new job is if you've previously been on Centrelink and you're going into work, it's really important to tell Centrelink that you're going to be working and how much you're going to be earning. Yeah, so if you don't tell Centrelink that you've got a new job, um, if you're on Centrelink, if they find out, you probably end up getting a, a big debt to Centrelink. So it's really important to let them know. Another point is that if you're getting paid cash at your new job, it's really important that you make sure you're paying the proper tax on that cash. So you need to talk to your big boss about whether your boss is taking the tax out of that cash before they give it to you or you need to work out to pay that tax yourself because if the taxman finds out that you've been making lots of money in cash but you haven't been paying the tax, you could get in trouble for that one and you could end up owing a big debt to the government. So best to make sure that you're paying the proper tax that you're supposed to pay even if you're getting paid in cash instead of pay slips. When you're working, your boss has to pay superannuation into your superannuation account. So everyone that's working has to have a superannuation account. And that means that every time you get paid from work, a little bit of pay will go into an account and you can't access that account until you're really old and you've finished up working for good. Or if you get really injured, you might be able to access that money early. Every time you get paid from work, you should get a pay slip, which is a piece of paper saying how much you get paid and how much you got that pay and how much your boss put into superannuation. And they're an important document. Um, they'll also have how much tax was paid um, from your pay. If you don't have anywhere to keep those important documents, you can ask your boss or if your work has HR, human resources, to look after the document. And then if you need it, you can just ask for a copy of it. Another thing to take into consideration is how much you're being paid. So it'll say on your pay slip how much you've been paid per hour or per week that you've worked. If that number looks really low to you and you think, I'm not being paid enough or I'm not being paid as much as other people I know that are doing this sort of work, you can bring one of your payslips into NAJA on a Tuesday or a Thursday morning once you've got an appointment and one of our lawyers can have a little look at how much you're being paid and have a look at what the minimum hourly rate is that someone in your position should be paid and we can check that your big boss is paying you enough for the work that you're doing. So that's just a few tips about what you should know if you're starting a new job and looking at your employment contract, making sure you understand it, making sure you're getting paid enough and that you're getting pay slips and that your boss is playing super for you. And if you are on Centrelink and you get a job, you let them know as well. And making sure that either your boss is paying tax out of your um, pay before it gets to you, or if not, then you're paying tax out of what cash that you got. So after this break, we're going to talk about your right to be safe at work and what to do if you were injured at work. And we're also going to talk about some other rights that you have at work. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Naja Legal Show on Karma Radio. Welcome back, listeners. You're listening to the Naja Legal Show on Karma Radio, and we're talking about rights at work. Uh, we're about to talk about your right to be safe at work. So the right to be safe at work is a really important right. 
And it's the boss's job to make sure that workers have enough training so that they can do their job safely. And it's the boss's job to make sure all equipment and materials that the worker uses are in a safe condition and make sure toilet areas and eating areas are clean and also to provide employees with training on discrimination, workplace bullying and sexual harassment to prevent that from happening because if that happens, it can make the workplace unsafe. But the worker does also need to take care for their own health and safety and for other employees around them's health and safety. And they also need to follow their workplace's policies and procedures and use safety equipment if that's appropriate. So it's really important if someone gets injured at work or becomes ill at work that they let their boss know as soon as possible. Some workplaces will have a process in place uh, where workers fill out an incident report if something happens. But if your workplace doesn't have that kind of process in place, tell your boss as soon as possible and write down the day and the time that you told them. And if you can, you could even email it to them as well so it's in writing. So if you feel like your workplace isn't safe or you feel like there's something not yeah, not safe in your workplace, then workplace should have procedures to let your boss know as well and they have the responsibility to do something about that as well. And it's okay to complain and talk about that. That's just something to know as well. Yeah, that's true, Beth. So say, for example, if you were driving a car for work and you're supposed to go out to a community um, to speak to some people out there for your job and then you get in the car to drive out to the community and the seatbelt in the car's not working and you can't put that seatbelt on, that's something where if you drove that car that would be really dangerous for you. So you shouldn't feel pressured to drive the car. What you should do is go and tell your boss straight away, hey, the seatbelt's not working in that car. I can't drive it. It's not safe. Then it's the boss's job to fix that seatbelt and to get you a different car that has a proper seatbelt so that you can drive safely out to the community and do your job. And using a similar example, the workers also have responsibilities. So it's, you know, workers' responsibility to put the seatbelt on if it works and not to drive around without a seatbelt. And if they did get hurt at work in that and they're not following what the, the rules that workplace have around safety, then you might be at risk of not getting any work compensation. Is that right, Sarah? Yeah. So I think we're going to talk about workers' compensation a little bit more a bit later. But if you do get injured at work and it's your own fault, because you were were being unsafe, it's harder for you to get money to help you get better and stronger after that injury. Whereas if you get injured and you've done everything you could to be safe and it was something that the boss did or didn't do that ended up with you getting injured, then you can probably get money to help you um, get fixed up medically or to make up for the time you've taken off work for that injury. So we've mentioned uh, work compensation. Uh, which people might be able to get if they've been injured or developed an illness as a result of their work. And that's why it's really important to make an incident report or let your boss know if you do get injured or become ill. Come and talk to a lawyer if that happens. Come as soon as possible. You can speak to one of the civil lawyers at NAJA. 
So back to letting your boss know or filling in an incident report form if something does happen at work where you get injured or get sick. Um, Even if that seems really small and you don't need to take any time off, it's still really important to let your boss know and or make an incident report, whatever the process is, because you never know that little injury can get bigger and bigger and might turn to a big problem. Yeah, that's true, Sally. And there's a story about that. It's a made-up story. But there was a man called Jack and he was working and his job was to load things in and out of a ute um, at his workplace. He had lots of other roles, but one of his roles was to load things in and out of the ute. One day he was picking up a heavy piece of timber and he felt a little twinge in his shoulder and he thought it was nothing. It hurt a little bit, but not enough to say anything or do anything about it. So he just loaded up that timber and the rest of the steel that they were putting in the tray and went about his job. And over the next few months, that pain in his shoulder got worse and worse. It got to the point where he couldn't properly lift up his arm. He couldn't do his job anymore because he couldn't lift things. And when he finally did go and see the doctor, it turned out he'd done his rotator cuff. And that's a huge injury on your shoulder. And it meant he had big medical costs, he had to go and see special doctors, have a big operation. And it was really difficult for Jack to get workers' compensation because so much time had passed since the day when he got injured there at work and because he hadn't told anyone or written it down. So what Jack should have done was the second he felt that little twinge, that little pain in his shoulder when he picked up that timber, he should have written down on an incident report, my left shoulder was hurting when I lifted timber that day. He should have gone straight to his doctor to get it looked at. And then that way, if it got worse and worse over time, he could come to the lawyer and we could help him put in a workers' compensation claim and we could trace back right back to the day of the incident to say, yep, we've got written evidence, we've got that piece of paper that shows he reported this straight away when it happened and that means he's got rights and he can get compensation to make up for this big injury that he's got to his shoulder. It's a really good story, Sarah. Thanks for sharing that. It helps us understand the process of how to make a report about an injury at work. And then the next step would be potentially to see a lawyer about that and to get some help um, with making that workers' compensation claim. So if you're wanting to see a lawyer at NAJA about that, you can ring one 800 Yeah, and sometimes the lawyer will help you themselves. The NAJA lawyer will help you. Or sometimes if you've got a really big case, the NAJA lawyer might help put you in contact with a different lawyer that specialises in workers' compensation that can help you with your really big workers' compensation problem. In any case, you can come to NAJA first and we can help you work out what to do. So now we're going to go to a break. And after the break, we'll be talking about some other rights that you have at work. Need help with a legal problem? Or maybe you have a problem and want to know if a lawyer can help. The North Australian Aboriginal Justice Agency, NAJA, empowering Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and communities across the Northern Territory by providing free legal services in a way that respects you and your culture. It's the NAJA Legal Show on Karma Radio, 8 Ken FM. You're listening to the Naja Legal Show on Karma Radio. I'm Bethany from Naja, and we're talking about your rights at work. A really important thing to know is that a worker shouldn't get in trouble from their boss for 
using their workplace rights. So that might be for taking annual leave or personal leave, or it might be for making a complaint or joining a union. So I'm going to tell a made-up story to help you understand what that means. So, for example, Jeff decides to take paid sick leave because he's got the flu. And a week after he gets back from sick leave, his boss decides to give everyone with a similar job like him a pay rise, everyone except him. So Jeff thinks maybe that's because he decided to go on sick leave. So that's an example of where the boss has been treating someone differently because they use their workplace right. So their right to have sick leave if they're sick. Another made up story that helps us understand this is a story about Angie. Angie is working part time at a shop. Angie is bullied by one of her co-workers and she tells her boss about it and makes a complaint. When Angie gets her new roster from work, she notices that she's been given less shifts than she normally gets. And she thinks that maybe that's because she made that bullying complaint and her boss is unhappy about her causing trouble. So that's another example of something that a workplace shouldn't do. If, if someone makes a complaint about bullying or about discrimination or harassment at work, they shouldn't be punished by their boss for that. They shouldn't have their roster, um, have lesser hours on their roster or not be given the the same opportunities as other people. So that's another example. These things can be tricky because getting in trouble isn't necessarily being told off, but it might be that you feel like you're being treated unfairly or differently. And it can seem a bit sneaky. It can be hard to tell if, you know, this thing has changed or you're being treated differently directly because of taking leave or making a complaint. But if it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't feel fair, come and talk to a lawyer, tell that story, and we can try and work out what's going on. If someone did come and talk to Naja, tell their story, and the lawyer think that, you know, they had a good case to make a complaint, what kind of time frame do they have to make the complaint within? So, Sally, if someone's done something at work that they're allowed to do, which means it's something they've got the right to do, and the boss gets them in trouble for exercising that right, which means the boss gets them in trouble unfairly for doing something they're allowed to do, like taking leave or making a complaint about something that's gone wrong, then that person has six years to lodge a complaint with the Fair Work Commission about that boss doing the wrong thing. So that's quite a bit of time. Uh, It still means that If you think the boss has done the wrong thing and cut your shifts because you took leave or something like that, you should still come in and tell the lawyers as soon as possible so that we can take action and help you to take swift action, quick action to fix the problem. But if something happened two or three years ago and you've been thinking about it for a while and you think in your head, I just don't think that's right what's happened to me back then, then you still can come in and tell the lawyers and we still might be able to help you with that one because it's got that big time limit of six years to, to lodge a complaint through your lawyer. What about if the person's finished up working at that place? Do they still have six years? No. So if your job's finished with that boss, then it's a really short time frame. You've only got 21 days, so that's three weeks. You've only got three weeks to lodge a complaint and there's no way of getting any more time than that. 
So as soon as your boss sacks you or as soon as you resign, you need to come straight in to tell the lawyer and tell the lawyer, hey, I felt pressured to resign from my job, but it's because my boss started treating me the wrong way after I took sick leave. And that's why I felt pressured to resign. And if you tell us that straight away, then within those three weeks, we can write up that formal complaint for you. And we can send that into the big mob, the Fair Work Commission that deal with these sorts of complaints. And then they might be able to get a good result for you that fixes that problem. So we might be able to get you your job back we might be able to get you some compensation to make up for what happened to you or something like that. But if you don't come to us straight away and we're not able to get that complaint in within three weeks of you finishing that job, then there's nothing more we can do and it's all over. Wow, three weeks, that's a really short period. So people have to act really quickly. Yeah, especially because you don't always get to see the lawyer straight away on the day you come in. So you might come in and ask to make an appointment and we might not have any appointments available until the next week. And then once you've told us the story, it might take us another week to write up the complaint and lodge it. So it doesn't mean you come and see the lawyer three weeks after finishing your job. You've got to come and see the lawyer straight away and then the lawyer can get the complaint in within three weeks. So if people do want to come and talk to a lawyer about uh, this kind of stuff that we've been talking about, you can call Naja on one eight hundred six three six zero seven nine, and for women out there, the Anti Working Women's Centre are also able to provide support and advice around these kinds of problems. And their number is one eight hundred eight one seven zero five five. You're listening to the Naja Legal Show on Karma Radio, and we're gonna have a quick break and come back and talk about discrimination and bullying and sexual harassment and what to do about it if it happens in the workplace. Welcome back to the Naja Legal Show on Karma Radio and we're talking about rights at work. Next, we're going to be talking about discrimination, bullying and sexual harassment at work. And I'd just like to say that these can be really tricky topics to talk about and hear and if they make you feel uncomfortable or sad at the end of the segment I'll provide some contact details for support services. People can be discriminated against because of their age, their gender, identity, their race, religion, disability, irrelevant criminal record, pregnancy and there's quite a lot more but that's just some examples. And we've got some stories just to explain what discrimination is a little bit more. And this first one, it's about Mary and she's discriminated against because of her gender. So Mary's a carpenter and she's finished her apprenticeship and has worked as a carpenter for three years in Adelaide. Mary recently moved to the NT and she applied for a job as a carpenter. She finally heard back about the job and the boss told her that she got the job but the boss also said that he doubts that she'll be as strong and skilled as the males. The boss tells Mary that she'll be paid less than the males doing the same work until she proves herself. What's wrong with that story? I think what's wrong with that one is that the boss is telling Mary 
oh, I don't think you're going to be as skilled as the other workers because they're men and you're a woman. And that's not right because that means the boss is saying bad things about Mary and putting her down just on the basis of her gender, just on the basis that she's a woman. Yeah, that doesn't seem fair. And also the boss has said that she's going to get paid less than the other men for doing the same work, even though she's got three years' experience in Adelaide. It's not like she doesn't have as much experience as the men saying it's just because she's a woman. So I think in that case, Mary should come in and see the lawyers at Naja straight away because what her boss is doing is not right and it's actually against the law under the employment law because he's discriminating against her on the basis that she's a woman. So our next example story of discrimination, it's about Billy And Billy's been working as an assistant mechanic for six years in his community and he's asked his boss many times for training to become a qualified mechanic and each time his boss has not let him. His boss has provided non-Aboriginal staff with training to become fully qualified mechanics and Billy thinks that his boss won't let him do the training because he's Aboriginal. So that's an example of where the discrimination's happening about training and someone's not being able to access training because of something about them. Yeah, so I think it doesn't have to just be that you paid less or that you fired or anything like that. Even something like you just got not given the same opportunities at work, like you don't get to do the courses that other people have done or you don't get to go on the conferences that other people do. And if that's everyone else that gets to do those things is non-Aboriginal and the one person who doesn't get to do them, Billy, is Aboriginal, then that's not right. That looks like that boss might be discriminating against Billy because of his race, because he's Aboriginal, and that's against the law. Billy should make a complaint about that one. And Nadja could help him to make a complaint. So we've got another story, and that's about Rebecca... And Rebecca is asked at a job interview if she's planning to have children and she says that she'd like to have children one day and the person interviewing her says he doesn't want to hire a woman who's going to cost the business money if she gets pregnant. So Rebecca doesn't get the job and she thinks it's because uh, she said that she's going to have kids one day. So that's a form of discrimination when she's applying for the job. Do you know the first thing that's wrong with that one is that boss isn't even allowed to ask Rebecca about if she's planning to have kids or planning to get pregnant. That's a conversation that's off limits during conversations with your boss because it's not their business during job interviews and even in the workplace. You don't have to tell your boss anything about having kids until it comes time for you to want to apply for maternity leave and that's the only time. I think it's 10 weeks before you want to go on maternity leave, you need to tell your boss? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So once it gets really close and you're applying for maternity leave, then of course you're going to have to tell your boss you're having a baby. But if it's at the job interview, that boss can't be asking you about plans you have about having babies because that's none of that boss's business. Yeah, no way. And I might just add for people that are working that are pregnant, you might need to tell your boss if you're not able to do your job because you're pregnant and your boss has to make changes for you and accommodate you being pregnant. 
Yeah, like if you need a chair so you can sit further out from your desk so that baby can sit in front of you. (laughs) (laughs) Or if you couldn't stand up on your feet all day because you're pregnant. Uh, Things like that. Your boss has to accommodate your needs if you're pregnant. But definitely at that job interview, the boss shouldn't be asking you if you're planning on having kids. And even if by accident that conversation does come up, the boss can't then refuse to give you the job on that basis because that's discrimination on the basis of pregnancy or future pregnancy and that's against the law. So we've talked about a few different stories where discrimination's happened in the workplace at the application stage and you know, in relation to training on the job. And discrimination can also happen if someone gets fired and they think it's because of something about them. And if you think you've been discriminated against at work, you should talk to a lawyer at NAJA and the lawyer can help you make a complaint to the Anti-Discrimination Commission or to the Fair Work Commission. The lawyer will be able to work out which one the complaint should go to. So if You make a complaint to either the Anti-Discrimination Commission or the Fair Work Commission. A meeting will be arranged with you, the boss, and another person whose job it is to help you reach a solution and they don't take sides. The purpose of the meeting is to find a solution to the problem and some possible solutions would be getting your job back if you got fired, getting a good reference so you could get another job more easily or potentially compensation money and a lawyer can go with you to that meeting. Yeah, those meetings are called conciliations and that's something that we civil lawyers do all the time. So if you did want to come in and make a complaint, there's nothing scary about having that conciliation meeting. The lawyer can go with you and support you and we're really comfortable to help you with that one um, and really well versed in what goes on and how you can get the most of that out of that meeting and fix the problem that's happened at work. So if you think you've been discriminated against at work, contact Naja. Our number is 1-800-636-079. So we're going to cut to another song, but if that's brought anything up anything difficult for you, I'll give you the contact number for Lifeline. It's 131114. And anyone across Australia can call them if they're experiencing a crisis or thinking about suicide. You've been listening to the Naja Legal Show on Karma Radio. After this break, we're going to talk about bullying at work and sexual harassment at work. Need help with a legal problem? Or maybe you have a problem and want to know if a lawyer can help. The North Australian Aboriginal Justice Agency, NAJA, empowering Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and communities across the Northern Territory by providing free legal services in a way that respects you and your culture. It's the NAJA Legal Show on Karma Radio, 8 Ken FM. Welcome back to the Naja Legal Show on Karma Radio. Tonight we're talking about rights at work and we just spoke about discrimination at work and we're about to talk about workplace bullying, so bullying at work. And just want to say again that this is another tricky topic, so we'll give you the contact number for um, someone you can call if it brings up some difficult feelings for you. So bullying is when a person or a group 
group of people do something which threatens, intimidates or humiliates another person and it happens again and again. So for it to be bullying, it does have to happen um, repeatedly. Bullying can have an effect on people's physical and mental health and it can be things like put-downs, criticism, um, being isolated and separated from other colleagues, being shouted at and threatened in front of others and being given too much work or not enough work or having sick leave or annual leave refused for no reason. And I've got a story about Tara who worked in an office. So every day when Tara went into work, she'd find her stationery and personal things from her drawers moved and hidden in places all around the office and then she'd have to go looking for them. And Tara had seen her manager do this one day when she got in early. Um, Tara's manager sent her emails telling her that she'd done a bad job on her task and that she was no good at her job and he'd included all the other staff in that email and this made Tara feel really ashamed. That sounds really bad and like it was bullying because the manager's doing all different bad things to Tara and making her feel like intimidated. Yeah, that would be really difficult for Tara. That I think that's a really clear example of bullying and there's quite a few different things going on there, but it do, it wouldn't have to be all those things for it to be bullying. It is important though to distinguish and like know the difference between bullying and when a manager or a boss is just doing their job. So managers are allowed to tell workers how to do their job and check that they're doing the job the right way and also to give them feedback and let them know how they're going but it has to be in a respectful and fair way. So that's not bullying, giving feedback. Even if it's negative or bad feedback, it's not bullying if it's in a fair and respectful way and it's reasonable. We know that bullying's really bad. It can cause people stress and anxiety and can have impacts on their self-esteem. It can also lead to symptoms like getting sick more often, headaches, migraines, flashbacks, tiredness and poor concentration. So it's not okay to be bullied at work and if that does happen to you, you should tell your boss about it. The law says it's not okay to be bullied at work. And if your boss is the one who's doing the bullying, then you should go and tell a different boss if you can or tell your HR manager and they're responsible for dealing with those sorts of complaints. If there's no one in your workplace that it's safe to tell, then you can come in and see one of the lawyers at Naja and we can help you work out what you should do and if there's no reasonable way that you can tell your boss in the first instance. So if you think you're being bullied at work, it's really important to write down what the bullies do and the dates and it could be good to speak to someone you trust about what's happening. A great contact for women is the NT Workings Women's Working Women's Centre and they can be contacted on 1800 817 If the bullying's getting so bad that you're thinking about resigning because of the bullying um, but you prefer to keep working, contact Naja and get some advice before you resign. Once you resign, it's a lot harder for us to fix the problem. So better to talk to a lawyer before 
before you resign and let's see if we can fix it while you still got a job. So we might move on to sexual harassment at work. So sexual harassment is when someone makes you feel really shame and uncomfortable at work in like a sexual way. Like if they're acting inappropriately towards you or showing you inappropriate things and it makes you feel really uncomfortable. We've got a made-up story about a lady who was sexually harassed at work. Her name's Rebecca. And Rebecca was working in an office and there was this fellow in the office who worked with him, with her. His name was Robert. And Robert kept saying really inappropriate things to Rebecca. He kept telling her that he'd seen her out on the weekend and she looked really sexy in her out-of-work clothes. And sometimes when Rebecca was just trying to walk through the office, Robert would wink at her and make her feel uncomfortable. Whenever Rebecca looked around, she'd often see Robert staring at her. Sometimes Robert came up to Rebecca and asked if she'd go on a date with him and tried to pressure her to have a drink with him. And he kept doing that even when Rebecca had said no and made it clear that she wasn't interested. And one time when Rebecca walked into Robert's office, he clicked on something on his screen and some sexually graphic images came up on his screen and he smiled and looked at Rebecca to see what she'd do. And that made Rebecca feel really uncomfortable and made her feel really shame. So in that example, Rebecca is being sexually harassed by Robert. Robert's doing things that make Rebecca feel uncomfortable and he's continuing to do those things even when Rebecca's made it clear that he needs to stop and that she's not interested and she feels uncomfortable by his conduct. So sexual harassment at work is against the law and it's not okay and um, and this and it obviously can make people feel no good. Do they actually have to be saying no though? Like even if it was like... Um, you know, she just keeps getting, um, you know, shows sex- sexy images or if he's um, putting his arm around her and stuff, she doesn't have to actually say no to for it to still be sexual harassment. No. So there's another example about a lady called Leisha. When Leisha went to work one day, this is just a made-up story, Leisha went to work one day and she was wearing a top that she really liked. And this boy called, this man called Jared came up to Leisha and he said, oh, nice top. And he said it in a real sleazy, slimy way. And as he said it, he stared down at Leisha's top at a part of herself that he shouldn't be staring at. And it made Leisha feel really icky and really uncomfortable. And that's an example of sexual harassment. So that was just one thing that Jared said. He didn't do anything extreme or anything like that. But even just that one thing where he stared at Leisha's chest and made her feel uncomfortable, that's enough to be sexual harassment. And Leisha doesn't have to have told him to stop or anything like that. The fact that he did it in the first place is sexual harassment. And that's obviously different to if someone comes up and says, oh, that's a pretty top, Leisha. You know, that's all right. That's just being nice to someone. But if... If a man comes up and he's leering at her and staring at her chest and saying it in a shame way, then that's wrong. That's sexual harassment. And so what should someone do if that happens to them at work? Well, the first thing they should do is make a little record for themselves of what happened, when it happened and who was involved. So, for example, Leisha can get a little piece of paper or get her journal out and write that Jared said this wrong thing to me and it happened at 10.45 in the morning on Wednesday at work. 
That way, if some if Leisha decides at a later stage that she wants to take action about that, she's got a good little record somewhere of where it happened and she's got the information about it that she can rely on. So if Leisha's feeling like it's real, really stressing her that this happened, she could talk to a counsellor or a person she trusts, like her mum, and talk through her feelings and emotions to stop her from feeling so stressed. And then if Leisha decides, I think what Jared did is really wrong and I want to take action about that, she can tell the NT Women Working Women's Centre and ask them for advice and support. Or she could come and tell Naja and we could help her with her options. Or... Really, the first thing that Leisha could do if she felt comfortable and safe is she could go to her boss or her HR manager and explain to them that something's happened to her in the workplace and it's made her feel uncomfortable and made her feel shame and she'd like something to happen so that that doesn't happen again. If Leisha doesn't feel comfortable going to her boss, maybe because he's a man or maybe because she just feels too shame about it, and then she doesn't have to do that. She can come and talk to the lawyers at Naja or at Working Women's Centre and they can help her work out what she wants to do. Yes, so the contact um, number for the NT Working Women's Centre is one eight hundred eight one seven zero double five, And our office, at um, our Alice Springs office, is at 55 Bath Street across the road from Kmart or you can ring us up on uh, 1-800-636-079. We also and have, sorry, Sally, we also have our Tennant Creek office um, on Patterson Street across the road from Westpac. Well, I haven't been to Tennant for a while, but I'm assuming it's still I'll there. Be there next week <laughs> to check. <laughs> yeah. I might just add that if the conversation we've just had has brought up any difficult emotions and someone needs to talk to someone, the number for Lifeline is 131114. Another point to make is sometimes in the workplace there's fellas there and they act like this towards lots of women and people say, oh, that's just what he's like, you know, you just get a got, got to get on with it. You can't be too sensitive with him. Everyone knows that's what he's like. And it's really important to recognise that that's not okay even if a fella seems like he's like that to everyone and everyone's been accepting it for a number of years, the law says that he's not allowed to act that way towards women or men. He's not allowed to make people feel shame or feel uncomfortable by saying sexual things or things that are inappropriate. So if it's making you feel uncomfortable, you don't just have to accept it or toughen up or get on with your work. You are within your rights to stand up for yourself and speak up and say that you don't want that to happen anymore. And speaking up for yourself about things like that means that the person doing it might realise that that's not okay and not do it to other people. So we might have another song break now. Um, you've been listening to the Naja Legal Show on Karma Radio and after the break, we'll be talking about what to do if you're sacked or feel pressured to quit your job and what your rights are. You're listening to the Naja Legal Show on Karma Radio and we're talking about your rights at work. What we're going to talk about now is what your rights are if you've been sacked from your job or fired from your job or you've quit your job because it's gotten so bad or you felt pressured to quit your job. One thing to know and that is really important is that if you are, if this does happen and you, if you are fired or felt pressured to quit your job 
and you think it wasn't okay um, to see a lawyer straight away because you only have three weeks to make a complaint. So don't feel like, I know you might, might feel shame about what happened, but it's really important to get and into Naja and speak to a lawyer about it as soon as you can after your job is finished. And in terms of that time limit, Beth, the three weeks after that job's finished is the last possible time that the lawyer can lodge the complaint with the Fair Work Commission. So it doesn't mean that you wait until three weeks after your job's finished to even come in and see the lawyer. you got to come in and see the lawyer straight away because it could take a little while for you to get that appointment to see us once you come in and make the first inquiry. And then it could take a little while for us to write up your complaint and get it all ready to lodge it. And we need to have seen you, made an appointment, written down your story, written up your complaint and sent it into the Fair Work Commission all within three weeks after you've finished your job. So you've got to come in as soon as you can to see us so that we've got enough time to help you. I'm going to talk about a story about Kevin. It's just a made-up story, but it's a story about Kevin losing his job. So Kevin had been working uh, full-time as a teacher for eight months. He got a letter from his boss saying that he'd been sacked or fired from his job. He was given two weeks' notice, so he got the letter and he had to finish up work after two weeks. The letter didn't say why he'd been sacked and he had never been given any warnings about his his performance in his job. So his boss had never said to him that they were unhappy about how he was working as a teacher. So what do we think about that story? Do we think that's okay? I think it sounds like the boss has done the wrong thing in that story. So Everyone who gets a job, they have a what's called a minimum employment period, which sometimes people call it probation. And if you get fired or sacked within that probation period, which is normally six months for if you work in a bigger business, more than 50 people, then um, the boss doesn't have to give you any reason for firing you. So those first six months is like a little trial period between the worker and the boss, see if it works out. If it's clear that it's not working out, the boss can let you go within those six months. But in this story that you've told, Beth, Kevin had been working as a teacher at that school for eight months. So he'd already finished his minimum employment period and was into his eighth month of working. That means that that boss can't fire him unless the boss has a reason for firing him. So the boss has to have told Kevin what the boss doesn't like about the work that Kevin's doing and has to have given Kevin a chance to improve his work. And then if the boss still wanted to fire Kevin, he'd have to explain why he thinks Kevin hasn't been able to improve his work when given the opportunity to do so. In terms of um, of Kevin being let go, I would say that his boss has done the wrong thing and Kevin might have actually grounds to make a complaint for what's called unfair dismissal because I think his boss might have let him go in a way that's against the law. And some of those rules are kind of tricky, like you're not sure what your rights are under probation. Um, Even if Kevin's not sure, like it's probably a good idea to come in to Naja anyway to find out. Like don't be like, oh, I'm not sure, like maybe it's okay. Because sometimes those rules are a bit confusing. So I'd encourage um, someone in that situation to come in and have a chat to see if there's anything that the lawyer can do. Yeah, definitely. One good thing that Kevin's boss did, although he shouldn't have sacked him for no reason. But one good thing he did was he gave Kevin two weeks' notice 
So that's good. So if Kevin's been working for the boss for eight months and he does end up being terminated, firstly, there has to be a reason for the termination. But if there is a good reason for that termination, he has to be given notice. And the fact that the boss gave two weeks notice, that's a good thing that the boss has done. Hmm. There are some cases where it's not okay for a boss to fire someone when they're on probation. So come in and see a lawyer if you feel like you're, you were fired and it was unfair and they can look into it, your story and give you some advice. Now let's look at another story. So this is another made-up story about Tony who works in a shop and was told by her boss that she, the boss wasn't happy with the number of sales she was making per week and therefore she was fired. This was the first time that Tony had heard that the boss was unhappy that she wasn't making enough sales and she was never given the opportunity by her boss to do better at her job. What do we think about that one? That sounds really unfair to me as well. It seems unreasonable that Tony wasn't told by her boss and given notice. Yeah, I think it doesn't sound very good to me either. Two things that we would need to know more about in this story... We'd need to know what sort of a worker Tony was. So we'd need to know if she was working full-time, part-time or casual because that would affect what her rights are in terms of her boss letting her go. And we'd also need to know how long Tony had been working for her boss because if Tony's still within her minimum employment period and her boss just had some concerns about her productivity and that's the reason she was let go then it could be that she might not have as many rights as someone who had worked more than six months, who had worked more than the, her minimum employment period. So with Tony, what uh, we would be looking for Tony to do is come into Naja and tell us more about her story. And once we've got that extra information, the lawyers will be able to work out whether Tony might be able to take some action in relation to this and try and get her job back or get some other good result. And one way that the boss could have gone about it perhaps was to give Tony a warning and that's okay. Like a boss can give a person a warning and say, look, you're not doing enough sales like, and, and maybe give them some training to help them do better. Um, so that could be a way that forward that the boss could do it in a better way. Yeah, it's fair and reasonable if the boss is not happy with their worker's performance to tell the worker that and to give the worker the opportunity to improve and get better at their job and do their job in a way that the boss is happy with. It's hard for the worker to improve if the boss doesn't tell them that they're not doing it well enough. We talked about if someone feels so unhappy in their job or feel like that they feel pressured to quit their job. Um, Sarah, you had a story, a made-up story around that. Yeah, so this is just a made-up story about Lara and Megan. And Lara and Megan are cousins and they work at the same office. And then Lara's uncle has a fight with Megan's uncle and all the family gets involved in the fight and there's arguments in the streets and there's arguments out at the outstation and it's turning into a big, huge drama between the two sides of the family. And in the workplace, Lara comes up to Megan and says, I don't want you to work here anymore. You shouldn't be working here. Your uncle did the wrong thing to my uncle and you need to get out of this workplace. And Megan doesn't want anything to do with this family drama. She's been trying to stay out of it. And she also feels a little bit scared and intimidated by what Lara might 
do to her or what Lara's side of the family might do to her if she stays in the workplace. So Megan feels like there's no other choice than for her to resign and quit her job because of this family drama. Now in that story, Megan's left her job but she didn't leave it because she didn't like her job or because she didn't want to work there. She left it because of pressure against her to leave her job. And in that case, that's what we call a forced resignation. And Megan should never be in a position where she feels forced to quit her job. So if that happens, Megan can come in and see one of the lawyers at Naja and we can help her with what action she can take. And one thing that Megan could do is, with the help of the lawyer from Naja, make a complaint and explain to her, her boss that she was being bullied in the workplace by Lara and that in fact she didn't resign of her own volition. She didn't resign because she wanted to. She was forced to resign because of this bullying. And if we make a complaint like that and attend the conciliation or the the meeting um, with the boss and the representative of the boss, then we might be able to work out a solution that's good for Megan where she can get her job back and where the workplace puts some special considerations in place to make sure that perhaps Lara and Megan don't have to work together or there's space for both of them in the workplace to try and make it so that that family drama and family pressure doesn't spill over into the workplace and affect Megan's ability to work in her job. Well, that's a good example of how sitting down and having these um, meetings could actually have a good outcome sitting down and figuring it out which what it might not just be a simple solution but it might it's what works for those two people in that situation yeah and I think the key message is if you've quit your job and you get home and you think gosh I didn't really want to quit but I just felt pressured to quit then that's a real sign that you should come and speak to a lawyer because even if you've already resigned or you've already quit it's not too late we can still get in and try and fix that problem for you and get you back into a job that you enjoy and get you uh, back into somewhere where you can stand up for your rights. So if someone has quit a job because they felt pressure to, they should definitely come and talk to a lawyer at Naja. Also, just on that note that you were saying um, that people like Megan should come and speak to Naja, the three-week time limitation applies to when you've quit your own job as well. So it's the same story. You've got to be so quick come straight into Naja. It could be a week before we even have an appointment available and another week before we can even draft up your complaint. And you've got to get in there before those three weeks are done. So the day after you quit, if you're feeling bad, come straight into the office opposite Kmart on Bath Street. Now, another story where someone was forced to resign, it's a made-up story. It's about a man called Edwin. And when Edward first started his job, he loved it. And he loved all the duties that he was being given. He loved driving the cars around and he loved fixing the fences and things like that. But after a while, Edward noticed that his boss didn't really like him. And his boss started to give him all the awful jobs. His boss would let everyone else drive the air-conditioned cars and would let everyone else work under the shaded areas. And in the heat of summer, his boss made Edward work only out in the really hot sunshine. He didn't give him enough jobs. He only gave him the broken car that didn't have any air conditioning. And it ended up that the duties that Edward was given got worse and worse until it got to the point that all he was doing every day was cleaning out port 
days, those toilets, plastic toilets in the sun, and it stank and it was hot and everyone else got to do good jobs, but Edward didn't. And Edward felt like that boss was putting pressure and pressure on him. And Edward felt like the boss was giving him all the bad jobs to try and make him quit and finish working at that job. And in the end, Edward said, well, obviously they want me to quit. I'm just going to resign and get out of here because I can't handle this pressure anymore. And then Edward went and quit his job. So Edward could have come and talked to Naja within three weeks and told that story and the lawyer could have helped him out with that. Yeah, well, Edward should come to Naja within like one week so yeah. that Naja can draft the complaint <laughs> and Straight lodge away. it within three weeks. And then if that happened, Naja, the Naja lawyer, Edward, his boss and that impartial person, the conciliator, could sit down and have that special meeting, the conciliation, and it could be that the big boss at the conciliation didn't realise what that smaller boss was doing to Edward and maybe that big boss can fix up the problem and give Edward a posting in a different section of the company where he's doing good duties again and isn't being targeted and pressured by his small boss. So that fair work process, if someone makes a complaint, the aim of that is to find a solution where everyone's happy. So, yeah, with Edward, that sounds like a good solution. Yeah, mostly these things, fair work complaints and also anti-discrimination complaints like we spoke about before, usually they're all resolved by that special meeting, the conciliation. It's really, really unusual to ever have to go to court for discrimination or for fair work. So if you're worried about seeing a lawyer because you think, I don't want to go and tell my story to the judge, that's too much, you don't have to be worried about that. Come and talk to us because it's more likely than not, you won't be talking to any judge. You'll just be sitting in the room having a little meeting and trying to fix a problem up uh, with a small group of people at a table with the lawyer there to support you. So if you do want to make a complaint um, and you want to get in touch with Naja to help you, you can contact 1-800-636-079. And if you're a woman, you could contact the NT Working Women's Centre on 1-800-817-055. Well, I think we've covered a lot today. I think it's been good. Yeah, we really have covered a lot of different rights at work. Yeah, we've talked about things that you need to consider when you're starting a new job and your right to be safe at work and other rights that you've got at work and the fact that you shouldn't be experiencing discrimination, bullying or sexual harassment at work. And then we've even talked about what you should do if your job finishes, whether that's because you've been fired or whether it's because you've been forced or pressured to resign. Yeah, and if you've just um, tuned in and missed some of that, um, you can listen to our podcast on the Karma website as well. Or if some of those things, um, you are needing some legal help, um, you can come into Naja as well. Or you can call us on one eight hundred six three six zero seven nine, and our office again, is at 55 Bath Street in Alice Springs, across the road from Kmart, and 61 Patterson Street in Tennant Creek. Thanks for listening to the Naja Legal Show, and big thanks again to Sarah Black for being a guest on the show again. Regular guest now. Yeah. <laughs> I'll join the panel. Almost yeah. a presenter. <laughs> yeah. You've been listening to the Naja Legal Show on Karma Radio with Bethany and Sally. Thanks for listening. Need help with a legal problem? Or maybe you have a problem and want to know if a lawyer can help. 
the North Australian Aboriginal Justice Agency, NAJA, empowering Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and communities across the Northern Territory by providing free legal services in a way that respects you and your culture. It's the NAJA Legal Show on Karma Radio, 8KIN FM.